Thank you. There it is. Welcome home. We have an Easter service on Sunday, so just like any other Sunday, we'll be here at 9 o'clock. So you're welcome to come and join us and be part of our Easter service. Plenty of room, as you can see. So uh, you're more than welcome to come and join us if you're available. That would be great. Uh, You can connect with us through our website. So uh, you're allowed to be on your phone in church. Series. So that's how we didn't turn up for the epic music, Russell. Hang on, no, we've got to do this right. There's epic music, you know, because I think, you know, it's Easter, it's Good Friday, and we need epic kind of... A bit of interpretive spiritual dance or something. I don't know. I've just offended half the church with my dancing, but that's all right. I'll stop dancing right now and I'll never do it again. Uh, That's all good. Anyway, I started a series on Sunday and it's a two-part series, so it finishes today uh, on Forever. And uh, on Easter Sunday, my lovely wife is going to be speaking. We're going to have multiple, I think, singing things, uh, which is going to be great, and Dancing, dancing, dancing. Okay, dancing. Dancing. See, Ben says dancing. I get in trouble when I don't. It's dancing. Who says dancing? Who says dancing? Okay, the eyes have it. It's dancing. It's dancing. So that's all cool. No problem. Australia, mate. It's dancing. Okay, so uh, that's happening on Sunday. So don't miss it. It's going to be great. We might even be giving out chocolate. (gasps) Be here. Just, just come for the chocolate, for the sugar rush. Anyway, so um, who's played Monopoly before? This is the word, by the way, so if we can record now. Uh, yeah, you probably already are, I don't know. But so, Sorry, who's played Monopoly before? Show me your hands again. All right, it's a long game, isn't it? How long does it take? It takes forever. It's a long game. You know, have you ever joined in a game of Monopoly and you've played until you've run out of snacks and junk food and you're like, that's it, we're done? finished or maybe you're like my wife and I and uh, we'd only just gotten married and we played a game of Monopoly our first and last game <laughs> of Monopoly because I dominated okay so I had every I had one of everything every you know grouping of properties and I had multiple hotels and houses and Nita didn't have any groupings and so she comes to me uh, pleading to her new husband would you please sell me this property and I humbly considered her request and then turned to her and said no. Request denied. Request denied. Computer says no. Because, because Monopoly is about winning. So you don't show... At all costs. You don't show mercy in Monopoly. Are you with me? That's what it is. That's what it is. And she would keep asking and I would keep denying to the point where maybe she got a little bit upset with me. So we've never played a game of Monopoly since that point. But what I want to ask you is, you know, other than Monopoly, what else usually takes forever? The sermon. The sermon. Okay, praise the Lord. I love you too. What, what's yours? Boganology. What is that? Oh, okay. Okay, it's another game. I'm just going to move this out of the way. Okay. Australia Monopoly. So what, you buy Ayers Rock and stuff? No, no, you buy songs. Songs? <laughs> Good thing it's Australian, because if you're in America buying songs, I'd be concerned. Uh, what else takes forever? Eternity. That's a long time, isn't it? That's true. That's true. What? Children doing a chore. That takes forever. Clean your room six months later. 
Okay. Colin. Sorry? Our journey with God should take forever, yes? When you're waiting for something. So now we're talking about toast cooking in the morning. Come on, I've got a, you know, or your pot's boiling for your coffee. Come on. That takes forever, doesn't it? Any, anything else? Did you have one? The last day of work before you go on holidays is so true. You know, maybe it's, it's like, a, like Steve just said, you're waiting for the work day to end. That can take forever. Uh, anyway, what would you choose forever? Okay, so now we're going to a bit more interactive. What I want you to do is I'm going to read out a bunch of things. And if you could handle what I say forever, I want you to stand up. Okay, so she's going to tell me that's a yes. I want that. Whatever I say, that's forever. But if you don't want that forever, you sit down and it's like a no deal, you know, no deal. Okay, so you got it? So, so what would you choose, even if you knew you had to have this thing every single day for the rest of forever? So that's 24-7, 365 days of the year. You're going to stand up for yes, sit down, no deal for no. Okay, the first one is, who would want sunny skies? Some people? Okay. Given that you could still have sun showers. See, most of you are probably sitting down because we want rain. So... A few more standing up now. Okay, okay. Because God can send rain anytime. So, but you like sunny days as opposed to cloudy. Okay, sit down. Um, what about thunderstorms? Who loves thunderstorms? Ooh, the thunder, the lightning, the drama, the intensity. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, not that thunder. Uh, sit down. Uh, all right. Spicy food. Who, who likes their spicy f- No deal. <laughs> a, that was a very quick no deal, Alison. Whereas I notice your husband is standing up. I'm standing up because I'm preaching, but I would be standing up for spicy food. Okay, sit down. Uh, what about cereal for every meal? Breakfast cereal. Nobody. My son comes home in the afternoon. Dad, can I? Yeah, look, there you go. My, Dad, can I have wheat bix Can I have wheat bix for lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever? Okay, all right, sit down. What about, okay, who wants to get buff working out in the gym? Forever? Or Daniel? We're a, we're, a, we're a fit bunch, aren't we? We're like, yeah, no, nah, sit down. No deal. Don't want to do that. No, don't want to do that. Uh, what about, uh, what else have we got? Taking a slow walk on a bushwalk. You know, who likes their bushwalks? Who could handle that forever? This is forever. Every day you get to take a beautiful, majestic walk in a rainforest. Or I knew my wife would stand up for that one. Okay, very good. Sit down. Very good. What about riding a bike everywhere? Any mammals here? Middle-aged men in Lycra? No? No? Okay, you like riding bikes? Good on you, Glory. You like riding bikes? That's good. All right, sit down. What about if I said you could have a brand new pair of shoes every day? Every woman should be standing up. No? Okay. I thought I'd get more ladies than that for that one. Okay. We have disciplined, loving... Spouses and wives and ladies and... Wow, that's amazing. Okay, what about... Um, uh, some people might have anaphylactic reaction to this, but peanut butter. Who could handle peanut butter every day forever? Forget the... Imagine there's no anaphylactic reactions. Would you have peanut butter? <laughs> okay, sit down. Okay, what about this one? I think I should get a good response for this one. Naps. So you can have a nap forever, every day, forever, uninterrupted... Sleeping. Ben's standing on his chair, literally. Okay, okay. What about uh, hopping on a roller coaster? 
Who loves roller coasters? Every day you get to ride on a new roller coaster. Okay. okay. Well, you should be standing up. What are you doing? Pay attention, daughter of mine. Okay, sit down. Uh, I've only got a few more. What about feeling hyped, like you're pumped, like that adrenaline rush, whatever it is? What, do you want that every day? Yeah? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah? You wake up and you're like, woohoo! Get into the day, let's go. All right, no? More people stood up for naps, but anyway, that's okay. What about if you could have your birthday every day forever? No? No? Yeah, yeah, true, but it's a daily... Okay, no one's interested in that. In saying that, um, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Anita. Happy birthday to you. Hip, 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 hip. See, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that sung to them every day? Stand on your chair at Vineyard Christian Church. I think we've thrown that one out. Anyway, it's all good. Uh, The last one is this. Who would want to feel hopeful every single day? Wake up full of hope. Full of hope. Okay. Okay. Good work. Shouldn't be anyone saying, Martha, do you want to be depressed every day of your life? Seriously, are you just sick of standing up and down? Okay, all right, that's all right. I'll forgive you. All right, grab your seats. Here's the thing. I think everyone wants to feel hopeful. That's pretty much everyone. (laughs) I'll counsel the other people later. But our lives can feel pretty fast-paced and chaotic, can't they? And there's a lot of times, I think, when we can relate to feeling hopeless. Hopeless. So sometimes the chaos is fun. Chaos can be fun. Like when our chaos is bouncing between friends and activities and new experiences, that's exciting because, oh, now I'm over here doing this. And especially if you're a people person and you're an extrovert. If you're an introvert, no, that's the devil. But, you know, over here doing that, it's fun. But other times the chaos can leave us feeling sort of defeated and hopeless. Uh, Like when our chaos is stumbling from one disappointment to the next, to the next loss, to the next frustration, to the next whatever else. You know, sometimes life leaves us feeling like we just can't catch our breath. And it's like, oh, here we go. Here's another thing. Uh, And we can't catch a break. But what do we do in those difficult moments? Who can help us? Jesus, of course. And where is Jesus when we feel and are consumed by hopelessness? You know, maybe, maybe Easter feels like a strange time to be talking about chaos and hopelessness. I mean, after all, we should be celebrating Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, and we will. And we're going to do that because that's what we do. Uh, But if the good news of Easter can't help us in the middle of our darkest moments, then is it really good news? So there's a good challenge for us. So I think it's very relevant to be talking about this today. I know um, on Sunday, just gone, when I started this series, I shared pretty openly about uh, you weren't in the room, but about the experience we had of your mum passing away and feeling hopeless and, and as a husband how it felt to have to, have to, shouldn't use those words, but support my wife through a time when she was going to walk in and raise her mum from the dead. Like literally that's what you walked into that room thinking you were going to do. But then seeing her face and seeing how happy the smile and 
that was a God moment where we realised she's in a better place and it would be selfish of us to want her to come back. But in the midst of all of that, there was a feeling of hopelessness. You know, we could think about the time when your sister's place burnt down and there was a feeling of hopelessness. She lost everything, Anita's sister. Uh, when my dad passed away in America, far, far away, and I had to... That was after moving here just a few weeks, uh, a few months, I think, and my dad passed away. There was a feeling of hopelessness then. Uh, when your dad passed away, like we've had our journey, and I don't say all of that so you go, oh, poor Jeremy and Anita, but I just want you to realise that pastors aren't uh, immune to feeling hopeless. Uh, we are challenged just like you in the natural when things get tough and, and challenges come. So last Sunday we talked about uh, some of the events around Jesus' death and resurrection and how many of Jesus' followers were full of doubts, perhaps feeling hopeless as well. They had questions, they had fears when all of everything was going down, and rightfully so, because their leader and saviour had just been killed. And, and they didn't quite totally understand in their natural minds what was going on. You know, so their lives probably felt chaotic and hopeless too. We saw that Peter, who denied Christ, uh, needed courage and clarity to help him trust Jesus through that time. Thomas, who demanded proof of Jesus' life, because he wasn't in the room, remember, and, and Jesus appeared to the others, but he demanded proof. You know, he needed evidence and reassurance to help him believe. And then Mary Magdalene, who couldn't fathom that Jesus could possibly be alive, needed comfort and hope that the good news was true. These are people that were with Jesus. You know, you say, oh, if only I was with Jesus in the flesh and was part of his, I wouldn't have any questions or any doubts or because I'll see him and seeing is believing. And Well, these people certainly had their doubts and their, their confusion and their hopelessness. And So today we're going to look at some of those same stories again, uh, not to bore you, but to see how the very first Easter doesn't just address our doubts, but it also has the power to give us hope in perhaps not so obvious ways. So let's look at Mary Magdalene again, one of Jesus' most devoted followers. And Jesus had saved her from so much and given her a new purpose and a new direction in life. So when he died, Mary, of course, was devastated. Scripture talks about Mary's tears four times in just a few verses. So we're going to read from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 13. And you can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles if you want to turn there. John, chapter 20. Uh, verses 1 to 13. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white 
sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary was experiencing deep hopelessness because her saviour had been removed, gone, taken. And she'd already lost her dear friend once, but now that his body was gone, she thought she had lost him again. So it was like revisiting that same emotion again. He's gone again. Like, what's going on in this situation? She didn't understand. Sometimes when we find ourselves experiencing a deep, aching kind of hopelessness, and and we've probably all been there, perhaps at different times, it's tough to see what's right in front of you because you're clouded and confused and hurt and, and all those things. It's tough to see what's right in front of us. And in our grief, we can feel lost, we can feel confused, we can feel uncertain about ourselves and others. It was in these moments of uncertainty that Jesus began speaking to Mary. Verse 14 in John chapter 20, uh, and reading through to verse 18 now, says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. She couldn't see what was right in front of her. She didn't recognize Jesus at first, did she? Here's a question. Who is someone you'd recognize anywhere? Just think about it in your mind. Someone that you just know that if they walked into that room right into our room right now, you'd know exactly who it is straight away. Elvis. Elvis. Uh-huh. He's left the building. Picture their face. Elvis, if you must. Uh, you know, if they walk through the door right now, you'd recognize them instantly, right? Straight away. You would know who they are. Well, of course you would, because it's someone that you recognize. That's what I find so interesting about this story. So Mary assumed someone had stolen his body because what else could explain why her dear friend wasn't in the tomb? She was overcome by grief. Mary wept. And as she cried, someone asked, why was she crying? She thought the voice belonged to a gardener. (laughs) But when the man said her name, she realized, wait, that's Jesus. He's alive. Revelation. Mary had been so wrapped up in her grief and hopelessness that she hadn't realized Jesus had been standing right beside her. You know, Mary didn't recognize Jesus or the hope he was about to give her, but Jesus didn't give up on her, did he? He just supported her, was there for her. He wasn't angry with her for not recognizing who he was or seeing that he was right in front of her. He was gentle and kind or strong and kind as we sing in the song. You know, Jesus didn't pull away when Mary didn't recognize him. Could have got offended. Oh, you don't know who me? Oh, blow you. See you later. You know, he stayed with her, called her by name, and waited for her to see him. Sometimes our hopelessness keeps us from recognizing that Jesus is present with us. And we can forget that 
in a brief moment, can't we? When we're stricken with grief and disappointment. But when we're finally able to see that Jesus is with us, even in our darkest moments, our hopelessness can turn immediately into hope. Isn't that a good thing? I'm so glad we've got Jesus to help turn our hopelessness into hope. So what I want to ask you is this. Have you ever, just show me with your hand, been in really foggy weather or like a, like a bad storm where you can't see? Most of us have been in that situation, you know, where it was difficult for you to see even maybe a meter in front of you. Yep. Have you ever had swimmer's ear or an ear infection? Many of us have had those. They're the worst things to get, aren't they? The pain. You know, it's difficult to hear anything because you're so overwhelmed by the discomfort and pain. And then, have you ever lost track, and maybe you've done this as a kid, of friends or family in a crowd? Were you that kid that was in the shopping centre with mum and then holding on to her hand, and they're all toys, and you go that way, and they keep going that way, and then the next minute you realise you are lost and you're freaking out. <laughs> okay, so show me your hands again. Yeah, many of us have done that too. Okay. It's easy to get distracted, some of us more than others, James. Uh, so, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that happens to us and Jesus, with Jesus too. When we face really difficult things, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that Jesus is with us, just like as if we're in a blizzard or a storm and can't see. You know, when we face uh, really difficult things, we can lose sight of Christ. Other times... Perhaps we can't really hear or understand what Jesus is saying to us because of the discomfort and pain that we're experiencing. Just like that earache that really discomforts and gives you pain and distracts you from hearing other things. And then sometimes we're feeling so hopeless, as in like we're lost and looking at the toys, uh, but we forget to even look for Jesus at all because we're so preoccupied. Those are all very real things that, that we go through. But... I know that as we went through all the different things I just mentioned before, and I won't list them off again, but I know that we took some time for healing, for, for God to touch our hearts. But we very quickly realised hopelessness can become hope when God put it on both our hearts. Uh, you know, I'm not punishing you for, all the, for anything or you know, I'm not causing all these bad things to happen to bring you down, but... It's actually made us better pastors, and we've talked about this a lot, where we've gone through some of life's biggest challenges, darkest moments, but we've come out the other end realising that this is life experience, and there are people out there that are going through far worse things than us. And uh, yeah, not, that's not devaluing what we've been through, but what it's saying is, is that God's held us through those challenging times. He's comforted us. He's turned our hopelessness into hope, because now we can now empathise with people that are going through life's biggest challenges. You know, if we had the perfect life and none of those big things happen, and, you know, I think we would find it more challenging to uh, empathise and, and understand what people are going through. Uh, so I would never suggest that God made those things happen. But what I would suggest is, is that life is a journey of learning and experiencing and becoming, uh, I guess, better Christians, by learning to lean in and trust him, even in those dark, challenging times. Hopelessness can become hope. You know, like Mary Magdalene, Jesus calls us out of our hopeless state and into a life of hope with him. That's where he's calling us. Here's the hard part, though, and this is where it gets challenging. Sometimes when we feel hopeless, 
Jesus doesn't always physically show up. Like I'd like to say Jesus came into the room and uh, addressed Anita and I physically in, in our presence, but that's not exactly what took place. Jesus went to see his disciples after he was restored, but not everyone was there, were they? And now we're going to talk about Thomas again. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time. Not everyone saw Jesus. So Thomas wasn't there when Jesus returned. He didn't get to see him. So he didn't even believe he was alive. So I'm guessing that perhaps many of us in the room could relate. Uh, We've been there before. Well, if I see it, then I'm going to believe it. If I can tangibly see something happen, then that's going to help me to believe, just like Thomas. Well, most people who tie... um, most people who die tend to remain dead, right? <laughs> Usually, that's generally the process, right? We live, we die, we're gone. Uh, we're not physically here anymore. So why would Thomas be looking for Jesus after he'd been buried? Why would Thomas believe he would ever see Jesus again? We're going to read John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. It says, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails. Who would want to do that? That's just a bit. I'm just thinking of the physical, putting your finger through a hole in someone's hand. Yeah, yeah, true. But it's still squeamish. I don't know. Anyway, and put my hand into his side, even more squeamish. Um, I will not believe. You know, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, um, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's our challenge, isn't it? Jesus said it himself. We are blessed when we believe in that which we don't see. And we call that faith and trusting in something that we don't see. See, Thomas didn't get to see Jesus again right away. He was challenged with his belief. Thomas sat with his uncertainty, his confusion, his doubts for an entire eight days, it said, before Jesus Came again. Can you remember where you were eight days ago? Like that? Probably not because it's a long time ago, right? And do you know what you'll be doing in eight days' time? Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a bit far ahead, isn't it? So you can understand how much longer it would feel eight days if you were waiting, hoping. I mean, we get frustrated waiting two minutes for the toast, for our pot to boil, for whatever it is. You know, but imagine how much longer it would feel if you were waiting, hoping and wondering if each day might be the day you get to see Jesus. And how disappointed you might be when each of those seven days passed without Jesus' presence. What a challenge. Jesus' appearance to Mary and Thomas gives us clues about the kind of hope that Jesus can give us. What I love is it's not a temporary here one day, gone the next kind of hope. That's not the kind of hope it is. But it's a kind of hope that can outlast our doubt and our uncertainty. It's a hope that's based in his ability to conquer death. Because we know that's the story, right? He conquered sin and death. Because if he can beat death, there's nothing too hard for our God. There's nothing he cannot do. It's a hope that's based in his great love for us. 
He loved us enough to die for us. Even before we loved him back, he did it. He loves us enough to show up, to comfort us when we need a glimpse of hope. So when we're feeling hopeless, can we expect Jesus to show up in the flesh like he did for Mary and Thomas? Maybe not necessarily. Not saying he can't. Jesus can appear to whomever, whenever he chooses. Because he's God and I'm not. But here's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. See, we may not be able to see Jesus with our physical eyes, but the eyes of our hearts can see the hope that Jesus offers us. Like Mary and Thomas, our pain or hopelessness, they don't have to prevent us from seeing what's true that Jesus really is alive and that his love gives us hope. The love of Jesus gives us hope. We have a hope that the world doesn't have and that's how we can see through life's most difficult challenges, the, the, the hard times, the things that get thrown at us. That's why the person in the street looks at you and says, well, why are you always glowing? Why are you always happy? How come you can never wipe the smile off your face when we live in a world like we do? Well, I'm glad you asked because there's this guy called Jesus and uh, I follow him. I'm a, I'm a Christian and he saved me and you can have a conversation. But the love of Jesus gives us that hope. You know, like Mary and Thomas, we're all prone to experiencing hopelessness at times. You don't live a perfect life when you become a Christian. Wouldn't it be lovely if we did? But we don't. We live in a fallen world and, and bad stuff happens. But our stories don't have to end in hopelessness. That's the key. You know, what's going on in your life uh, that's making you feel hopeless? Is, is it your circumstances? Sometimes we, uh, we face really difficult things. Are you facing something really difficult right now? You know, maybe like the disciples, you feel like your whole world is crashing down around you and you can't see any hope ahead. You know, if that's you, remember what Mary discovered that Jesus was with her before she even realized he was there. Jesus loves you so much that he's with you right now. Even if you haven't noticed him yet, he's there, right in the midst of what you're going through. Let the love of Jesus give you hope in the midst of your circumstances. Maybe for you it's, um, it's doubts. Maybe you have your doubts. And we talked about that a bit more last Sunday. It's okay to have doubts. Uh, because it gives you the right questions to ask. So do you feel hopeless because of your doubts and your questions and they make you want to give up on believing in Jesus? Perhaps you've been there before. Or like Thomas, do you want to believe but you need some help believing? So if that's you, remember what Thomas discovered. That even, uh, even in the, though he didn't find answers as quickly as he wanted to find them, eight days, come on, <laughs> TikTok. Jesus did show up for Thomas. And show him what he thought he needed to see. And like Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians that we read, ask God to open the eyes of your heart and see what you find. Jesus loves you so much that he hasn't left you without evidence of himself. You know, so let the love of Jesus give you hope in the midst of your doubts. Maybe for you it's choices. You know, you're feeling hopeless because of your own mistakes or bad decisions. We've all been there. This is really the fundamental of our faith, recognizing that we're sinners 
and we've made poor choices, we've made mistakes, we can't satisfy God's law and expectation of us. And perhaps you're feeling hopeless because of the decisions that you've made, the choices that you've made. You know, do you feel like you've dug yourself into a hole and you can never get out of it? We've all been there, I think. Then the best and most hopeful news of all might be for you, that Jesus loved you so much that he allowed himself to die and then he conquered death for you. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, but Jesus pays the wage. He pays the price on our behalf. His death and resurrection made a way for you to find freedom from sin and death, both in eternity and right now. So let the love of Jesus give you hope in the midst of the choices that you've made. If you're not feeling hopeless right now, and I'm very conscious, I mean, you might be sitting in the room going, life is great right now. Well, that's awesome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But if you're not feeling hopeless right now, who do you know who might feel that way? I dare say we would all know someone that's feeling hopeless right now. Whether it's because of their circumstances, their doubts or their choices, chances are good that you know someone who needs the hope of Jesus right now. When they can't quite see that Jesus is with them, how can you be a tangible expression of Jesus to them? There's a great challenge for all of us. I'm going to play a song. Our church know this song. It might be a little while since we've sung it. But I want you to be encouraged by this song today. And I really want you to consider Christ in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of the choices you've made. So let's, let's have a look at this song. Let's make sure the volume's up there for me, Russ. That would be great. Sing along if you're not. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name. Into the night, then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my Jesus Christ, my living 
Praise God. Amen. You know, this Easter, if you feel like Mary, maybe you're grieving and you're overwhelmed. Or you feel like Thomas, waiting with your doubts. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened and flooded with the light of these truths that we've looked at Sunday and and today. The first one being that the love of Jesus is bigger than our doubts. Doubts are okay because it leads you to the right questions. But what you must understand is that nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. And so it doesn't matter how big your doubts become, Jesus' love is so much more greater than that. And then today, how we've talked about the love of Jesus gives us hope. When you face your next storm, or maybe you're in one right now, you've got to remember that Jesus wants to turn your hopelessness into hope. You've just got to let him. Let him come in. Let him meet you at that most vulnerable place of hurt and brokenness, because that's why he died, to take that away. And so let Jesus come in to the midst of your circumstance and say peace to your storm. And so I want to encourage you right now to consider accepting Jesus. And maybe you're watching online and and something's just moved in your spirit today and you know that you need to make that commitment to him. Maybe there's people in this place today and you want to commit your life to Jesus and, and, and live a life that's just so different to what it once was. You know, Jesus leads us to be a new creation. He changes us from the inside out. And we need that because we can't conquer sin on our own. We can't meet God's standard on our own. We can't do uh, the things that God wants us to do in our own strength. His Ten Commandments, we break them one by one. We can try our best and try our hardest, but we're going to fail every time because none of us are good, not one. But God so loved the world that he provided a way for us to be forgiven of that predicament. He helps us by leading us to a place where we are free from the condemnation of sin. And there's two things that we need to do. And it says it in the scripture here, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, we need to speak it out. We need to confess, you are my Lord God and in you I trust And then if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and it's Good Friday and it's the day we remember he was put in that tomb but we know in three days he was risen. He wasn't there anymore. He conquered sin and death on our behalf. So if we can confess with our mouth that he is our Lord and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's like someone's walked into the courtroom of life and paid the fine that we couldn't pay. And I'm so grateful that we have a saviour because we couldn't afford to pay that penalty in our own strength. We'd be reaping the, the, uh, the results of our sin, which is death and eternity in hell. I don't want anyone to go there. My prayer is that you don't want anyone to go there either and that you would openly share your faith with people, particularly this weekend, but all the time. We've just done an evangelism course and we finished last night and it was so encouraging, so challenging as well. But that sense of urgency with sharing the good news has has departed the church. And there's many reasons for that.
But I want to encourage you to have that fire lit within you again, to share Jesus with those that need to hear about him. But it begins with us getting our hearts right with him. And that's what we're doing right now. So if you're in this place and you want to surrender your life to Jesus today, if you're online at home, I just want you to simply respond by raising your hand and saying, that's me, Pastor Jeremy. I won't see your hand at home, obviously, but God sees your hand. So it's not about what I see, but God sees our hearts. So if you're in this place today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus afresh or, or do it for the first time, why don't you just lift up your hands in his presence right now? And I'm going to include you in a prayer. We're going to pray in just a moment. It's not a magic prayer, but it's literally confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart, doing what the scripture says. Let's pray this prayer together this Good Friday. Hey? Say, Dear Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. I choose to live for you. I also choose to believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So because I've confessed and because I believe in my heart, I'm now saved. I'm a Christian. And I thank you for making me a new creation. Help me to live each new day for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise? Because when people say that prayer, it's not just uh, eloquence. It's, it's actually transforming lives. Because people are following the pattern of Scripture confessing Jesus as their Lord and believing in their hearts, choosing to believe that Christ rose from the dead. And so people online, people watching this after this, we put it on our website, uh, that are saying that prayer, there's a party in heaven. God rejoices whenever, whenever a sinner repents and, and comes to the knowledge of Jesus. So how good's that? God's good. Amen? Amen. God is so faithful. I want to encourage you to join us on Easter Sunday. It's going to be an incredible service. Do your best to come early if you can uh, to not overwhelm our, our greeting people because we obviously still need to take details of people coming in and everything. It helps us when you're early uh, because it makes it easier for them, uh, particularly if we have visitors that come in at 9 o'clock. You know, we want to make it easy for people to come. So God bless you. Uh, coffee machines turned off today because we're giving them a break. But feel free to hang around and mingle, have some fellowship and... Uh, Easter Sunday, we start at 9am. Come at 8.30. Go on, I dare you. All right, be blessed. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thank you.